You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Um, if you don't know by now, we're in a series in Ephesians. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. We'd love if you're visiting or you've just joining us. We're, we've got a, the podcast. We can get you a CD. We've been going through it. And this idea of Paul... This idea that so far, to catch you up if you haven't been with us or to remind you, it's been a whole week, so to rem- a big week, remind us. Paul has established that there's this big plan at work in the universe. There's something going on in the universe. Things are broken, as you know. Life doesn't feel like, you don't have to convince anyone of this, but life doesn't feel like it should be as it is. Um, people, Josh, even speaking about people living like they're going to live for eternity, not realising that they're going to die. Um, it's something in us that says this isn't how it should be. Death is not normal, even though every single person dies. There's something in us that knows something's not right. And so no one's turning on the news these days and disagreeing with me, saying, yeah, yeah, it seems like it's good. Something's wrong. And so God, the creator, has had this unfolding plan, this ever-growing plan of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration of his kingdom. Over thousands of years, historical writings have seen this play out, constantly growing. This family started with a guy, this family, this household, all hold different values and ideas, but live together under this different paradigm that is Jesus, ultimately Jesus, Jesus Christ, and living differently to the rest of the world. This plan then took, obviously, a massive step forward 2,000 years ago when God himself came as a human. God got involved. He was already involved, but he got fully immersed and involved and walked amongst us, gave up his life, um, just truly showing how invested he is in this. And then he had to leave. He says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to leave you something better. You guys. <laughs> and you can imagine their face going, no, don't do that. I still kind of want to go back and say, don't do that. Don't leave it with us. <laughs> Stay a bit longer. But he says, no, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit as well. It's going to do things in you. It's going to bind you together. Houses full. Now buildings full. Empires within 300 years bending the knee to Jesus. And now we are the church that we know of 2,000 years later. A movement of Christ followers called out to his purpose. We call Ecclesia the called out people, the church. And so that's what we've been talking about, Ephesians, being that. How does one be a church? And so last week, Paul said, well, you've got to step up to this calling. There is a calling. Not step up so God loves you, but because he loves you, because he's called you out, because he's saved you, it's time to step up. And so that's what we've been speaking about. And I guess last week, the beginning of stepping up means committing to God and then committing to Sunday's 9am. No, it didn't actually say that. It says committing to God and then committing to each other. It says nothing about Sundays 9am to 11. They're good. They're great. I love it. You should come. But it's actually about committing to each other. person across the room saying, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to the Father, of course, first, and then I'll bear with you, it says. How romantic. I'll bear with you because you're human, you're broken, and so am I. But we're commit- together we can actually do something. So we talked about last week, it's not about you. This story is not about you. It's about us. We are the church. Committed to God and each other. 
And so we oversimplify this at Burley so we can say it in two words. We say this. We say all of that to say we gather. We gather together. It's a posture. It's a thing we do here. We gather together because that's important and that's what we've been asked to do, to commit to each other and God, of course. And then I guess this next chapter is now Paul saying, well, what do we do now? Do we just gather and, I don't know, have potluck dinners and bingo nights till eternity? Um, I'd be happy with the potluck dinners. <laughs> and they are good. They're good things. But it's, is that what we do? Is that what we're called to do? Is that what he said? Gather and then just hang out till eternity. Of course not. Do we just wait here and just hope someone thinks the op shop's open Sunday and accidentally walks in? No, sorry, the op shop's not open, but come on in and join us for corporate singing and a sermon where we read from a book. No, we know, we know there's more to sharing Jesus than that. Is there something else? Well, let me read the first bit that Jewel just read to remind us of what it means to gather. What is the point of committing to each other? It says this, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. And every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. To oversimplify this second bit, we say here, we grow. Paul is saying, when you gather together, commit to each other, you're going to grow. And I want to uh, just articulate something super important that I think sometimes gets lost in church or anywhere. He says something really important. In 15 he says, so listen to this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Just something important to note, he doesn't say you are to grow, as if to say that every person in the rest of the world isn't growing. Paul acknowledges and the Bible acknowledges we are all growing. The person going, doing stock, uh, Stockland shopping at Audi at the moment is growing in a direction. The people you meet today that aren't Christians are growing in a direction. We are all, we can't help it, obviously physically, obviously in age, but spiritually, even if they're a non-believer in anything, they are growing spiritually. Everyone's growing. It's what direction are you growing into that Paul cares about. So he's actually asking the question, uh, not are you growing, but who are you growing into? Is the question for today. Who are you growing into? Because he gives us two options, and that's what I'm going to highlight today. Option one, you can grow into this if you'd like. And this one's easy. You don't have to do much to grow into this. You can just let the world get to you, twist you, watch the news, be put down by that. Don't be comforted. Don't have the love and peace of Jesus and you can grow into this. Option one, he says this in verse 17. Now this I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. He's saying the Gentiles, those that don't know Jesus are walking in this way and in the fertility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of the heart, they've become careless and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. 
that is not the way you learned in Christ. He said, option one, you do nothing, you let your heart, and, yeah, you let your heart harden, and basically he says you become an arrogant, greedy, prideful, angry fool. That's option one. <laughs> What's that? That's not going to be an option I'm going to ask you to respond to. Tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching. That's option one. That's, you can grow into that. Imagine that though for a second. Just sit with that for a second. Imagine if the sum life of your growth, your entire life, all the hardship, all the great stuff, all the blessing, all the, the brokenness, all of it meant you ended up, or you were growing towards arrogant, greedy, prideful, angry, tossed back and forth, and forward by every wind of teaching. Imagine that was the fruit. The hard bit about fruit is it's really hard to see in the moment. You plant a seed, we've been speaking about digging, you plant a seed, you can't even see the seed in its first part of its life. So it's really hard to articulate sometimes how you're growing, right? It's hard to see until the fruit comes and you go, oh, that was a good year. Really hard. But we're blessed here at Burley. And this is why this is so important. One of the reasons multi-age church is how God created it. Because in this room, and I'm going to speak to the young people at this stage or people that are setting up their life. I call myself still young. Is in the fact I'm setting up my life. I've got a home loan. I've got young kids. I'm looking at who I want to grow into. We've got a room full of wisdom and experience to say, do you know anyone in your life and, and these people have friends in, outside of church that they've grown up with. And so if I said to, said to one of them, said to someone that had lived a bit more life, have you ever known someone that chose pleasure over family commitments? So, so I said that to Bev. If I said, Bev, have you known someone that's chosen pleasure over family commitments? And then you don't have to articulate now, but my next question could be, in morning tea after, how did that play out for them? Did that bear some good fruit? <laughs> You've seen it. You've seen it firsthand. I can ask someone else. I could say, John and Margaret, have you seen some, have you had friends in your life so far that have chosen money as their God? And again, not asking you to articulate or give names, <laughs> but how did that play out for them? There you go. Gratitude or consumerism over gratitude. Flesh over the spirit. Or I could ask those that have lived a bit longer, have they known anyone that chose anything over Jesus and how did that play out? That's the wisdom. That's the, uh, not the loaded gun, what's the word? That's the wisdom in this place that young people, people starting families, you can tap into that. You'll probably find you think the thing you're pursuing is original. But a lot of people in this room would be quick to tell us there's nothing new under the sun. Might be new technology. Might be this thing called Instagram and the internet. But it's the same stuff. Tap into that. Tap into that church. Here's the second thing you can tap into. Ask the people in this church that are more senior I know because they're human, have made mistakes themselves. 
have had wins and losses, have had horrible tragedy and have had wins and blessings. Ask them what it's like to pursue Jesus over all of that. And how did that turn out? Who are you growing into, church? Who are you growing into, church? It's those little decisions. Pleasure over marriage commitment. That little decision, money over your own empire, over Christ's empire. They're little decisions, like watering a seed, digging in the dirt, but it grows into something. And we're fortunate in this church, which is a lot, some churches miss out on this. We have wisdom in the room to ask, what was that like? Do you know someone that thought this was the best option? Did that work out for them? And what's it like to pursue Jesus in those little decisions? Option two, which we briefly touched on, but Paul describes it better. Ephesians 4.21 says this, Okay, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, church, please come and have a chat. We're going to have a bit of a call down the front this morning for all types of things. Great time to get to know him. I'm assuming most of us know him, but if you don't, please come and let us. But he said, he's assuming they've been taught about him and the truth is in Jesus. He says this, put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Every day, make a decision to put on the new life. Every decision, every day, make a decision to step into Jesus, to make those small decisions and watch what the Holy Spirit grows in you. We all make mistakes. Christ is there waiting for, okay, let's get back on track. Doesn't matter how long your mistakes were, by the way. It might have been a 60-year mistake. He's still there. Come on. We're not over yet. Get back, on the, get back on. It's time to train. It's time to spend some time with me. I've got some plans for you still. So how do we do this? I guess to land this, how do we do this as a community? How do we dig a bit deeper? How do we share some stories? How do we encourage and spur each other on as it tells us to, towards growth in Christ? Let's face it, the best option. We know that. And if you don't, please let us introduce you to that option. Well, again, Paul tells us. 25 says this. So listen to this. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity for the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The line that stands out to me in this is falsehood. Putting away falsehood. That, I guess that's my challenge practically this morning. Putting away. Have you, tell me if you've heard this quote. There's this quote by Shakespeare. It says, All the world's a stage, and men and women are merely players. 
is if we're all just acting, we're all trying to get through life by putting up our best front and we're just going to manage our way through by putting on a, putting on a brave face, a pretty dress, nice suit and going into our day and pretending everything's okay. Paul's not happy with that. <laughs> Paul says, no, that's actually not going to help anyone. Jesus is not looking to do deeper work in people that are pretending to have it all together. It's not really much he can do for someone that says, I'm all right. Thanks, Jesus. Jesus is not looking to do deep work in people that truly think they have it all together. So maybe you're like, I'm not pretending, Steve. I do have it all together. Congrats. Jesus can't do much, or the Holy Spirit can't do much with that. Maybe, maybe rethink it. <laughs> Jesus' great invention, this, this thing that's moving through creation, was not given to perfect people. Listen to this. Jesus is not glorified by perfect people. He is glorified by imperfect people clinging to Jesus. I'll say that again. Jesus is not glorified by perfect people. He's glorified when imperfect people cling to to Jesus. The church Paul is describing is not a pretend, make-believe, fairy tale community. That's no good for anyone. He's saying this is Jesus' hands and feet in a dark, lost, broken world. So put away your false tool. Put We've got no time for masks. We've got no time for pretending. You know what the number one export of churches are? And what I mean by this is say Hearts and Crafts ran somewhere else, or say a youth group, or KYB, or there's different ladies' Bible studies, the, a program that a church runs. Do you know what the number one spread program that a church has invented? Um, do you know what the, anyone want to take a guess what the number one is? It's an obscure question that you've probably asked yourself many times. That's it. There you go. Alcoholics Anonymous. Invented by the church, if you didn't know now runs in community halls everywhere across the world. Here's what I believe. We could take a page out of their book, or better yet, because they took a page out of our book because we invented it, so we'll take that page back, is what does every single person that walks into AA know? They're struggling. You don't walk into AA and say, I've got it all together. I hope morning tea is going to be great this morning. You don't walk into an AA and go, I hope the preacher's relevant today. I hope the set list is good. I hope it's not too cold or too warm. No one walks into AA like that. Nothing wrong with any of that. Nothing wrong with wanting, hoping and praying that one morning someone brings trifle for morning tea. I know somebody that in their quiet times that might be a prayer. Nothing wrong with that. But no one walks into that because they know they're not perfect. They're like, I need help. Even the facilitators of AA are usually people that have recovered and still know they need help. You can do something with someone that admits they need help. Something powerful can happen. Paul is encouraging us the same this morning. Take this seriously, church. Not because I'm saying, but Paul is encouraging the church. What if we rocked up to our small tables, our large table gatherings, our, our friend group in the church? What if we rocked up 
and we saw ourselves someone that needs desperate help every single Sunday, every single meeting. Not as a perfect person, but someone that needs improvement. The Spirit of God could do some serious work with that, right? Not all about a fake smile, a pretty dress. We could be real with each other and the Holy Spirit could move in that. That's why this whole book is about digging deeper and this is what it looks like to get dirty. This is what it looks like to be the church. Now, I'm not saying every single week come and go, how are you? I might say, how are you, Samal? And he goes, oh, horrible. Let me tell you about my week. It's not about whinging and whining. It's not just about every single person needs to hear every bad thing of your week. That's not what he's asking. I'm just saying every week could you, we need improvement. It could be a great week. We still need Jesus. It could be a really bad week. We still need Jesus. And it's about finding those you trust to help break those chains, share habits to stop, to forgive and be forgiven, things to die to. That's the part of the gospel where everyone, a lot of people walked away from Jesus' ministry. When he said, all right, we've been feeding you, 5,000 got fed, plus women and children. I've been healing you. They're like, this guy's awesome. And you have to die to yourself. And at one point he says that, everyone leaves, and he goes, aren't you guys going to leave? He says to the disciples. And they say, well, where else are we going to go? How's that for encouragement? No, we believe in you. Just, you know what? We've spent a lot of time on this now. We better commit. <laughs> Jesus asked them to die to themselves, take up their cross. That's why when I hear, these aren't direct quotes, these are just ideas that we get. Steve, I don't really want to be in a small table. I'm a private person. I understand that. I understand it's hard. Steve, I don't really want to push into the church or the community. I don't want to be full on. I'm all right with being here. I just don't want to be full on involved. Steve, I don't want to come down the front because people know I have problems. People will judge me. People know I'm not perfect. What if they think I'm recommitting my life to God? Do they know I'm already a Christian? Oh, I'm going to confuse so many people if I come down the front. Who cares? Paul cares, actually. Not who cares. Paul cares. Jesus cares. I get it's hard. Growth, change, transformation is hard. But that's why we're here. That's why, you sh- that's why we should be walking in the door here. To let God mature, grow, transform us. Transformate us. That's a great word. Use it this week. Transform us. Don't let angry, gossipy, arrogant, greedy fools that chose option one judge you for getting work done with Jesus. Don't let them, what a sad way to let that stop you. Otherwise, seriously, what's the point? Life's too hard. Josh, perfect, life's too short to play pretend church. Let me read the last bit here in Ephesians 4 and then we'll circle back around. Because I like this bit. This is the good news. This is what happens if we do that. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such what is good for building up and fits the occasion. Again, choose your timing, church. (laughs) Maybe having a deep conversation with 17 people out there over coffee cart may not be the time to reveal your deepest, darkest secret. I get that. Choose the occasion, but build each other up. It may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. 
Let the Holy Spirit do its thing. By him you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ, if God, as, as God in Christ forgave you. Here's the bonus to all of this. If we say, we're in, Steve. No more this mask. We're going to be real with each other. We're all broken. We're going to let God do some things in us. Here's what's, here's what's great. You'll grow. You'll bear fruit. You might become kinder. <laughs> you might become more patient, more peaceful, more full of joy. Have a little bit more self-control. As the shampoo ad says, it won't happen overnight. I couldn't think which one. It doesn't matter. But it will happen. Some of it will happen overnight because the Holy Spirit's powerful. Others might just be a little bit kinder on the scale of nasty to kind of nice. Just keep watering that seed and it might, who knows, it might grow an apple. Look at that. I was pleasant. Seriously. And people from the outside will notice the change. You know what? In all the... And then I say, in all the time I've been in ministry, and some of you will laugh because you're like, seriously, that's one-sixth of my existence. Um, So I won't say all the time, but in my time in ministry thus far, I've barely seen, compared to both are good, Paul asked us to give a defense for our faith, but the amount of people I've seen come to Christ from people winning an argument and having all the information versus imperfect people just saying they're imperfect, saying they don't know, but they know Jesus. It's, I've all, yeah, it's just ridiculous. The power of saying, someone going, oh, do you, well, what, how did all the animals fit into the ark? You should know. You should have some research around that. It's good. This whole ministry called apologetics on that. It's fantastic. But the power of sometimes being able to say, I don't know, but you need to meet Jesus. And I'll find out. I'll do some research and send you some stuff, but I know what Jesus has done in my life. You can't argue with that. It's powerful when people start producing fruit, imperfect people. So, <coughs> oh, sorry. so I'm going to ask the band to come up. They're going to play two songs again. Let's dig a bit deeper this morning. Let's, um, let's ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything, is there any mask or any falsehood or anything going on in our life that we need to get rid of? And let's come to the altar. You might be heading in a direction, you're like, I don't really like the person I'm becoming. God, help me get back on track. You might be like, I'm pretty good. <laughs> but I could do with a tune-up. I could do with a tune-up. I'm going to ask anyone that would like to come down in the next two songs to come on down and we'll have people pray for you. Now, what if you're a person praying for someone, but you need a tune-up too? Neat little trick I've learned. You can ask each other to pray for each other. You're allowed. It's fine. We're all broken. In fact, I'll ask you to pray for me if I pray for you. I'm finding, uh, just to quickly, just so you know, this is not just, I get scot-free out of this. 
I reckon my biggest thing I'm asking God to remove or die in me at the moment is control. So I'll meet with someone and I want them to be here and this is how it needs to happen and God just needs to do this and it'll be okay. And then I'm reminded God will do whatever He wants. I just need to be quiet and listen. And so, same for the church. I go, yeah, I'd love us to be here. But I look behind and Jesus is like, you're still following me. So that's just something I struggle with in leadership. And I need to die to that. Every day I need to wake up and go, it's not about you, Steve. You're not in control. You're just a broken little dude that has a massive big God who wants to spend the day with you. So that'd be my prayer if you, warning. If you come to me for prayer, you're going to have to pray for that. Let me pray. We'll sing a couple of songs. Love any of you to come on down and uh, we'll have some people pray and we'll give some stuff up to God. Amen? Let me pray. Father, whether it's a tune-up or whether it's a full-on, there is something broken that we haven't given to you, Lord. And everything in between, Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit stirs with us now, Lord. Let's not play pretend. Let's not put on a fake. It's no, there's no, what a waste of time. You want to do something in us today, Lord. Whether that's in our seat or down the front, it's not location specific. But do that thing, Lord. Break us if you need to. Break us open. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us this morning. Move within us this morning. Water those seeds this morning. Grow us towards you. Stir within us. And for this next section, let us not care about what anyone else thinks. And just care what you think and what you're doing. Bless us, Lord. May we produce a ton of fruit. May this community produce a ton of fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. At any point, come on down. I'll be down here waiting for my first person to pray.